0: You're listening to Main Menu from Jetpack Refueled, released March 28, 2007, composed by Steve Burke. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today it is Bedrock. Have anything funny? Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, no, that's that's fine. That's fine. There
1: you go. There you go. I jumped in. Good thing I did, because you didn't have anything. Yeah, back-to-back <laughs>
0: nights. I'm not used to
1: this. I know, right? Back-to-back nights? Back-to-back weeks? Man, what's going on? Well, I guess I'm not going to make promises that your ass might not be able to cash. That's not, that's a mixed metaphor. Wow. Okay. Just, just, tell, them, just tell them the stuff. I'm losing it. <laughs>
0: Oh, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you chose to listen to us on. a quick writing, and a review really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. If you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. Um, no new comments because Bedroth, you and I are recording these two episodes back to back. So, um, well not back to back, but back to back days. Less than 24 hours after we finished yeah. our last one. We're starting. Yeah, one, yeah. Less, <laughs> less than 24 hours ago, you and I were still rocking out to the old gods of Asgard and Hell yeah, man! Enjoying life. If you missed that episode on Alan Wake 2 last week, go give it a listen. You're missing out if Dude, you skipped that one. I was frying up some tortilla chips today and I threw on that. Did you listen to their, their, did you? So there's a track on that CD that's not in any game yet. It's the one I that's didn't like to the whole CD. Which one is okay? It? Uh, I think it's called like n- Sea by Night or something like that. But it sounds like a Viking like sailing song almost. Oh, that's Dude, dope. It, I gotta check that out. It's so sick. Let me see what it's. Uh, no, wait, that's not it. Um, the Sea of Night is the title of the track. The Sea of Night. Wow. All right. Well, but I'm gonna that, do. That's I'm not gonna from a game. More- that's not from tomorrow, a game so, so that's really cool I'll
1: to, yeah I'll have to check that out I wonder if it's gonna be in if it's gonna be in something control 2 or maybe like the Alan wake if there's any expansion stuff or extra chapters or anything yeah I
0: don't know if it'll be like in DLC for Alan Wake 2 but that would be sick if like they already released this track and it was gonna be something that we'll hear in several years like in another game I don't know that would be cool but I also think it would be cool if they just started releasing original stuff under the old Gods of, old Asgard Gods of Asgard? name. yeah yeah
1: That would be sick. Would be, it would be. You can tell they're having a blast every time they do one of those songs. So
0: I know. Go give that episode a listen if you guys skipped it. This week on the show, we are kind of not really doing a composer appreciation. And while I do think a case could be made to do our typical composer appreciation episodes for several of the names that will be featured today on the show. I don't know. Like they just didn't feel big enough individually for me to to devote an entire episode to. So I can think it's... of maybe two exceptions. And, yeah, and, that's what and, that's and, what and, I'm and saying. There's a there's yeah. a couple on the list, but like not. There are two others that I think are a big enough
1: deal, especially for fans of this studio, that we could do it and, and it'd be fine. But there are only two composers that I think have both the like the long discography and the like standout talent to to warrant, you know, a Graham a and like Robin. I was actually thinking of Robin and Alistair because, I mean, Alister's uh, it, it's not with Rare, but he has a lot, of, That's a lot true. of stuff that He's done
0: outside of Rare. Yes. Alistair Lindsay could technically get a spotlight on his own one day. He does have Graham a very extensive list. Was the other one I like he he would have been my, my third choice there,
1: just because his discography is not as long as Alistair and Robbins.
0: Right. But what we decided to do instead, right, we're lumping several composers together and doing a spotlight on composers that have worked for Rare. Yeah. So you're going to hear stuff Kind of a studio showcase. Yeah, studio showcase almost, but really more focusing on, like, the composers that really solidified. And I think we have everybody, because we didn't bring Grant Kirkhope or David Wise, because we've already... Done composer appreciations on both of them, and they really were the heart and soul of most of rare stuff up through they were mid to the late nineties, yeah, of, of mid, to late 90s. mid to yeah. late nineties, mid um, to late nineties. But we went with Graham Norgate, Robin Beanland, Evelyn Nova Kovark, or Evelyn Fisher, David Kleinak, Steve Burke, Ben Cullum, Jamie Hughes, and of course, you mentioned Alistair Lindsay. Oh, and uh, one that I forgot to mention. Uh, oh yeah. Chloe Clock. Chloe Clock. Chloe Clock. Assistant to Mr.
1: beanland We'll see what she what she does on her own in the future. Maybe. Well, um, she's already done some things on her own, but it's been okay. For other okay, games, cool, cool, cool. So. I, missed an, uh, it's been for other stuff outside of Rare. You mean? No, no, Sea of oh, Thieves. Oh, uh, uh, but just for Sea of Thieves? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I thought so far, I thought you meant. No, I thought so you meant she had done thieves. other stuff outside of Sea of Thieves. Okay, cool. I think we're on the same page, but we're like in, in different paragraphs anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, between the two of us, I'm pretty sure we have found everybody. Uh, anyone out there who is listening, who finds a rare composer who we did not talk about, including no, Wysenker Cope, let us know. We got them but all. Brian is sure that you will not find anybody. So Yeah, we got them all. We got them all.
0: <laughs> um, but you went with seven different composers for yours. Which did let me kind of double up a little bit. So, yep. you know, we'll hear from Robin B. for example, right, a couple times on the show today. But I think that's warranted because outside of Grant and David, I, I do think he's probably number three in terms of... Notoriety In terms of Rare Definitely Um,
1: Yeah And uh, maybe even At this point Has he done more Games for Rare Than Kirkhope or Wise did Because I know Kirkhope Kept no. doing stuff But a lot of not it was da- Not of David Rare. Wise
0: Not David okay. Wise For sure Maybe Grant Kirkhope Well yeah Because Wise no started Back in way, the Because David Wise did Exactly <laughs> Yeah that's true He did that's all true. of their Original games From like the 80s Through the late 90s Okay okay it would be interesting though to
1: to look at them side by side their all of their their games they've worked on and see do you see like who's a statistic put together
0: yeah yeah put something together that'd be kind of interesting to look at but
1: but you uh, you actually started out with a track that I, I had on my list. Um, I know. <laughs> because uh, I was approaching Crazy. it with different composers. I didn't have Chloe on my list, so I just had eight tracks. And then in the end, I had to bump one. And I was kind of sad to see it go because it's a fun little track. And uh, it just it didn't quite stand up for me compared to my other ones. So I'm really glad that you picked it. And I'm really glad it was our opener because that's what it would would have been if I brought it too.
0: Yeah, it's really the only track I had that made sense as an opener. Again, we listened to the main menu from Jetpack Refueled, again, composed by Steve Burke uh, not the only time we'll hear him today we'll hear him again actually um, a little bit later on but um, interesting because he was one of the ones I found who I thought had the least <laughs> yeah he actually does <laughs> he actually has probably outside of Alex or Lindsay who has one credit with rare um, Steve Burke and Jamie Hughes are probably yeah. next in line in terms of the least amount of credits and this was the only track and ben I could from this think game ben as, well. as well yeah definitely has very as well. very few credits yep This was the only track I could find from this game, though, that I, on YouTube... So that's probably why it was also on my list. <laughs> yeah, I listened to it and I was like this is really really throwback rare. And Jetpack Refueled released in 2007, right? So I would say probably not quite a decade but roughly a decade. Yeah, no, I guess a decade. Well, we'll say a little over a decade. Rare kind of blew up with Donkey Kong, I would guess, right? That's that's kind of the IP that really made people in I guess Battletoads, but Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Early on, Bowser's I would
1: say, and then Donkey Kong would be Donkey Kong. Well, because this, would what I'm trying to life. get at is,
0: this reminds me a lot of some of the things, like in some of the tropes and just styles that Steve Burke brought to this track for the main menu. Reminds me of some of the stuff that we hear in games like Donkey Kong or even Banjo Kazooie to an extent just with a bit bit more sci-fi to it yeah and i like that that. this actually reminds me a lot of astro's playroom which came after this game but i hear that a lot in this too (laughs) well it's fun it's just it's definitely got that that
1: rare you know rare has two modes they have fun and upbeat or they have really dark and moody and we're definitely going to hear quite a bit of both i think on, on the episode today
0: Nice. Well, I'm excited. This should be a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to doing this one for a little bit. Me too. Me too. And I had fun putting it together. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Rare. Dude, it's got such a vibe. And it's got, it like, you're right. There's such a, you can usually, especially if it's Grant or David, we're not hearing them today, but you can usually tell, oh, this this is rare. And I only had eight composers to check out with relatively limited
1: discography yeah. from, from each. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't I, I a ton
0: of games you and I could choose from.
1: Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a relief after uh, putting together the end of year playlist, <laughs> or the Best of 2023 playlist. List, but <laughs> I knew my Robin Beanland track that I was going to bring if it wasn't on your list already, which I was a little surprised it wasn't. But but there you go. Um, but yeah, I was uh, yeah I was pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff I found too. So and I nice. really think you're going to like my first block. Well, let's get into it. All right. Well, cool. Um, I have to give a shout out real quick. The second track in this block is a special gift to you. Uh, I there know. were two tracks I, I was going to bring. I had from, a feeling. Uh, from this game (laughs) one of them one of them was Texas and the other one is the one I brought so I I, I when I I saw that on your list I (laughs)
0: had a feeling so
1: yep right. well before we get to that let's go ahead and start things out with um our Banjo-Kazooie track for the episode but not from anything on the N64 this is (laughs) Cliff Farm from Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge released September 12th 2003 composed by Jamie Hughes Next up, we're going to take a listen to Las Vegas from Mickey Speedway USA, released November 13th, 2000, composed by Ben Cullum. Closing out my first block, we're going to listen to Wendy & Co. from Conker's Bad Fur Day, released March 5th, 2001, composed by Robin Beanland. Thank you And we are back from our odyssey. We uh, walked along the cliffs on a farm, and drove on a speedway through Las Vegas. And we wandered around a windy meadow for like nine minutes.
0: <laughs>
1: that was that was a crazy block. That wasn't man. the old that gods was... of
0: Asgard. Why was that so long?
1: <laughs> it's definitely not the old gods of Asgard. But man, what a happy, fun, upbeat block. That was my that was my happy block, and uh, my next one will be different. But yeah, man. So uh, starting things off, talking about cliff farm. From Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge GPA game a little side-scrolling platformer Wasn't, you know, wasn't too memorable I've I played it on an emulator at one point In the last 15 years And I I remember what it looked like But that's about it And um yeah, so But this music is fun, man This sounds just like This sounds like Banjo-Kazooie so. Oh, this
0: sounds just like Banjo-Kazooie, yeah uh, I never played through this game But I remember it Because of the box art It came out in What was it? September of 2003 I started working for the company that would be called, you know, eventually become GameStop. But uh, at the time when I started working there, it was Funko Land. I started in September of 2003, man. So I remember seeing this on the shelves and like putting price stickers on this. Like I, I distinctly remember this box art and this cover and I never did play it, though. I didn't care to. It didn't look like the same banjo that, you know, And it wasn't, but it didn't just look like the one that we knew from the N64. And I didn't really care about GBA at the time. Yeah, they never
1: really, really, um, they never really let Banjo hit its heights after Banjo Tooie. I don't think because this and Nuts and Bolts and all that just it just wasn't the same. And right, the music was still good, but the games themselves were just you know it was kind of sad. And especially they they looked like nightmares (laughs) in that GameCube or in that Xbox game. So. But but this was this was really good. Jamie Hughes, um, who I wasn't super familiar with before this started up, um, this research, I mean, for the show. But he did a good job on this, definitely channeling Grant.
0: Yeah, you and I were talking. It sounds like you used a lot of the same instrument choices and potentially even had access to the same files, right? So mm-hmm, Yeah,
1: and this one, uh, Viva Pinata, Trouble in Paradise. Several IPs that... Uh, Kirkhope or Wise had started. I think Jamie Hughes kind of inherited when they left um, at least some of the work. Uh, I saw him, like, helping on a lot of different soundtracks, but I didn't see very many that he had done, like, on his own. So, but, you
0: know, staff composer at Rare, uh, and then that's pretty Absolutely. much all that he ever did. So, but he did it well. Did do it good. Did definitely, like you said, channels the style of the original, right, with what Grant Kirkhope set out to do with it and kept that going, which is kind of what you want for somebody that takes over to keep that same spirit alive. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And next up, we have Ben Cullum, whose only credits that I
0: could find were
1: um, some composing on Star Fox Adventure. And yeah, he did the do game, that. Mm-hmm. The game that I brought. Uh, he did all of the music for Mickey Speedway USA, including the track I brought, Las Vegas, which yeah.
0: I really I did, dude. This track is really cool. I thought this was super groovy. Um, I, it does kind of elicit that kind of... I don't really know what that... I don't know what it is about Vegas that makes tracks about Vegas sound like this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, thinking back to like some of the casino games on the Super Nintendo, like Vegas Stakes or Caesars Palace. Uh Uh-huh. A lot of music sounds like this. Like, I don't know what it is about Vegas that just makes, channels this style, but it fits. Yeah, Yeah, it really does fit. It does kind of make me think of the the neon lights and the big city feel. And And the strip and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It it does. It really does. It makes you think that. So I think it fits well. Really cool track.
1: I know Vegas has a special place in your heart. So like I said, when I saw the list, the track list, I only... I only listened to Texas and Las Vegas, and then when I listened to Las Vegas and it was this good, I was like, okay, I'll just bring this. Save myself some time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do that a lot when I uh, am picking things for shows. I'll just kind of pick a couple that I was like, oh, I either know this one or, oh, this this sounds cool, right? And then I just kind of pick between a few instead of listening to a whole soundtrack sometimes. But, um, yeah, Vegas does at least did at one point have a have a special place in my heart. But I am going back in April. So we'll see how it goes.
1: We'll see how it goes. I hope I hope it's still special for you, man. Um, And (sighs) this uh, this game, this game, as far as I know, was not anything special. Um, (laughs) I'm sure it wasn't. (laughs) Kart racer uh, licensed game on the N64. On the N64.
0: Yeah. Kart racing on N64, you're not going to beat Mario Kart 64.
1: Uh, Diddy Kong Racing is up there. It's up there.
0: Sure it is, but it didn't beat Mario (laughs) Kart 64.
1: Um, I will not argue with you, but you will find people who will. (laughs) Um, That's fine. I will say, also, David Wright. They can be wrong. They can be wrong. David Wise but the, game, of, the game's the, great It's and, just not yeah, better than Mario Kart Game is great The music is fantastic But yeah Mario Kart Takes it for me as well Absolutely But you know it, This would be a fun topic sometime Is uh, you know All those other kart racers You know Find decent tracks In, in several of those Like Garfield Kart And Atari Kart <laughs> And stuff like that Garfield Kart baby yeah. <laughs> Smurf's Kart Have <laughs> to bring Frank back for those is there a Rugrats kart racer Uh, I'm if there's not I'd be I know they're you know they're in the Nickelodeon kart racers so there you go there you go (laughs) which have surprisingly good music those Nickelodeon games I don't know there's something about them that might have to be a spotlight at some point too but (laughs) we have enough on the list for now so but then moving into really uh, maybe the star of the
0: show for me and the start of that first block, uh, you were a little surprised this had such a big following. And yeah, when you were kind of talking to me about it, I didn't realize that, like it's a cool track. It's super cool. Didn't realize so many people were into this one though.
1: There's a lot of people out there who love "Conquers Bad for a Day," and I think all of them talk about two songs. They talk about Slaprano, the Great Mighty Pooh, and they talk about this song. And um, like I said, I was a little surprised when I didn't find it on your list because I thought, you know, I thought that was more ubiquitous than I guess it is. But but Wendy and Co. Um, man, this is the music uh, to You didn't the find it on my first... list because you already submitted it. No, I mean the um, the big list. <laughs> oh, like the master list we have. The master list, yeah, yeah. Got it. I was a little surprised when it wasn't on the master list. But, Haven't uh... played
0: too many things from this game, period.
1: Yeah, pretty much just Sloprano. I think there might have been one other track that probably fit there in was. on like a Halloween episode or something. But... Yep. Um, But this is the music for the first area that you play in, and the area has dynamic music. Robin Beeland, first of all, who this is not the last time we'll be hearing from him. Um, Absolutely not. uh, Robin blocked. One of his first forays, uh, he helped out on a couple of things with Grant Kirkhope, I think, earlier in his career. This, I believe, is his first solo work, and he did a great job. Um, this is the, I like I said, the first uh, area that you, you play in, and it's just, you know, kind of the quintessential green grass, meadows, first stage kind of place, but... Yeah, 1-1 did, yeah the 1-1 what he did is he wrote different instrumentation for all the different areas of of the of the windy meadow and they're all uh they're all pretty big it's a pretty big area and so what this track is is a compilation of all of those back to back it's kind of like if Grant Kirkhope had done, um, you know, when he wrote Click Clock Wood for Banjo-Kazooie, if there were a track on the soundtrack that was all of those back-to-back instead of having the different versions in different tracks, it would be kind of like this, you know? Yeah. And for my kinda money... Kind of
0: loops, but doesn't loop because it's different instruments and sounds different the entire time. Exactly. Exactly. It's played more like a round. And, yeah. And um,
1: for my money, the best part of this track is the last three minutes. Yeah, you throw in yeah, all you the really dug that part. stuff. Yeah, that's Yep. super fun. And especially the last minute with. That that banjo solo was just (laughs) just super cool Mm -hmm. so if if you if you were listening and got about four minutes in and were like this is i don't know it feels kind of samey i think i'm gonna jump ahead to when they're talking go back and listen to that last minute for sure
0: (laughs) this is a really cool game though man so different from what we had at the time right with it being so adult oriented um on the N64 of all places that being a first-party Nintendo game of all things. So, really cool that this actually did see the light of day. Um, I, and I appreciate that about what Conker's Bad for a Day is, but gameplay-wise and, like, just the game itself, I was never into this one as much as I was, like, Banjo-Kazooie or even Donkey Kong 64. Um, I played through it, but it wasn't one that stuck with me like a lot of other Rare games. Yep,
1: yeah. Uh, it was the same. Same for me. I um, it, it was kind of clunky, honestly, to play. Uh, it was not as smooth at all as like banjo kazooie or even mario 64 but um but it, it was it had so much charm and you know it was so irreverent which is exactly what like at our age yeah. when this came came out that was what we wanted so um to go back and revisit it after the fact was just a, it, it was fun it was fun to see it in action yep i agree good pick good choice long block <laughs> yeah it was it was But uh, yeah, since since my block was so long and we've already talked a bit, why don't we go ahead and jump into your first block?
0: All right. Sounds good. And much like you kicked off your first block with Banjo, right, that we could not do this episode without featuring rare stuff. Right. Banjo's got to be here. The first IP in my next block also had to be here, if we're talking about Rare. So, to kick this off, let's take a listen to Stilt Village from Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble. This released on November 18th, 1996, and it was composed by Evelyn Fisher.
2: The game
0: take a listen to a lament for salone from cameo elements of power this released on november 22nd 2005 it was composed by steve burke and it features evelyn fisher on vocals Closing out this block, we're going to take a listen to Jago's theme from Killer Instinct Gold. This did release on November 25th, 1996, and it was composed by Robin Beanland. Dilt Village from Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble. Again, released November 18th, 1996 and was composed by Evelyn Fisher. Not the first time we'll hear her today. Actually, we hear her again in this block just on vocals, but not (laughs) the last time we'll hear her compositions today either. It's nuts. It's nuts. Very different compositions. Evelyn Novakovic, as she was known as back then, Right. Or do I have that backwards?
1: I think you have it backwards. I think she's Evelyn Novakovic now. Novakovic now. And she was Evelyn Fisher. But because of her involvement on Donkey Kong Country Three is a lot of times the third composer listed after Kirkhope and Wise when people talk about rare composers.
0: Yeah. She On two and three. Probably I I would argue like I don't know if more people are familiar with her or Robin Beanland, but a lot of people are familiar with her, right, because of Donkey Kong Country 3, which you and I were talking. She may as well just done on her own. But David Wise did contribute several tracks to this soundtrack as well, yes. according to VGMDB. Wikipedia just lists her, but VGMDB <laughs> actually has him listed for several tracks.
1: Yeah, they kind of switched places because that's what she had done that for Donkey Kong Country 2. Um, most famously, probably on Ice Cave Chant, which I know I mentioned while we were we were listening. But uh, this is a, just a,
0: it's a great soundtrack. The game so is good. not as
1: good. It, it's it's still good. No, it is it's still good.
0: Probably the weakest of the SNES trilogy, right? I think I would probably rate it DK so. two one then three. Mostly because of the the um, I think the level design was a
1: little lazier in this one. I think they're running out of ideas, but. Um, until but tropical freeze, until, yeah. Well, until returns, and then tropical freeze. But that wasn't rare. <laughs> it wasn't. That was returns. Wasn't. Wasn't. You're right. That was. Yeah. Was,
0: was that Team Ninja? Uh, n- no, no. That was um retro
1: retro i get them confused
0: but, but yeah uh who but, did a great job keeping donkey kong alive after rare by the
1: way yeah i mean a good enough job that uh then rare came back for <laughs> um rare did tropical freeze right they came back for that one no or was, it was that retro. still retro that was still retro but uh the composers um wise david and, yeah david was there for that yeah, yeah david wise came back for for freeze that's what it was but yeah man um great little track we actually haven't talked about this track specifically yet um I just I love the instruments, you know, the tuba and the, the the xylophone. You mentioned they
0: love their tubas. They do,
1: yeah. There are a couple of instruments that you can count on popping up in in a lot of rare games, and uh, you know, tuba, um, xylophone, or marimba. They like their like their muted trumpets, <laughs> and you know, lots of lots of really jazzy in swingy influence in a lot of these rare games.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Do you remember this level? I don't. Dude, so this is the one that it kinda had like the, obviously it's called Stilt Village, right? So everything was built on these stilts as you go through the level. And just the instrumentation of this track picturing that level again and it's been a long time since I've played this game but I'm trying to remember exactly what the level looks like I should have looked it up Um, (laughs) but I do remember like the stilts and everything but like what I'm picturing in my head if I'm remembering this level correctly this music fits so well with like walking along the planks and everything with everything you know with on the stilts connected together this was a cool level that makes sense and that makes that like you mentioned right the level design of these Donkey Kong Country Trilogy games were really superb it started Started to trickle off a little bit with three, but still, the level designs in these games back on the SNES were incredible.
1: I mean, they're some of the best 2D platformers ever made, especially Donkey Kong Country 2. Especially just, two, yeah, for sure. It's it's so good. It's up there. It's up there with like Super Mario World and, and games like that. It's just it's fantastic. Agreed. And, uh, agreed. Um, I would say absolutely, for me, the three best 2D platformers on that generation of hardware were uh, uh, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country 2, and Sonic and & Knuckles. Yeah, so, that's, a that's, that's, yeah that's, that's a pretty good list. That's
0: mine. That's a pretty good list. And then we go to a generation that I don't have any familiarity with. If Yeah, you, you said on. you didn't have an Xbox 360. That's all right. I thought this would be kind of cool if we set this block up doing an Evelyn Fisher track that she composed and then following it right up with one where she is doing some vocals. Yeah, that's so we took a listen to A Lament for Salone from Cameo Elements of Power which did release on November 22nd 2005 that was a launch title for the Xbox 360 and it was composed by Steve Burke featuring again Evelyn Fisher on vocals providing the main vocals we heard right there were some like choir chanting vocals kind of in the background as well I don't know who did those maybe she did those too I don't know but (laughs) maybe the lead female vocal that we hear right like again it's more. I don't want to call that an opera. Like, what do you call that style? I mean, it's, it's just, not chanting it's a, either.
1: It, it's closer to a chant. Um,
0: it than, is an opera style.
1: I don't know. It's. It's. I mean, it's choral music, but I don't know what
0: specific style I would call it. Um, either way, that lead voice—that's Evelyn Fisher. Um, and this is a gorgeous track, dude. In a really cool game. You, you had no idea what this was, right? Cameo Elements of Power, yeah. Action adventure style game, right? So more in the vein of what they did with Star Fox Adventures as opposed to like Donkey Kong or Banjo because it's not a 3D platformer it's action adventure um But this game was really freaking cool. And I think, was this not the first one? I think it was. No, no, I think it was. This was their first game that they released after leaving Nintendo,
1: right? I think so, because if it was the first one on the 360, then I believe so, because I don't think they
0: had anything on on the original Xbox. Let's see here. I'm looking, because Cameo Elements of Power was in 2005. Before that, ah, no, 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 no. They did do in 2003. Uh, So their first game after leaving Nintendo. We don't have anything from this game on the playlist today because the game was composed by, of course, Grant Kirkhope. So Star Fox Adventures was in 2002. That was their last... GameCube or er, their last Nintendo game, "Grab by the ghoulies was in 2003 on Xbox, the original okay. Xbox before Xbox 360. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Yeah, definitely a Kirby classic there. But this one done entirely by Steve Burke, according to the the album Yeah, cover.
0: Steve Burke did do the Cameo Elements of Power all by himself, which is really cool. That is really and cool, and it's a really cool soundtrack. We've played one other track from this game before on the show. No idea when, mm-hmm. but it is a cool soundtrack, and a lot of it does have a lot of those traditional rare vibes, just like Jetpack refueled did from steve burke at the opening of the show
1: and i listened to a couple of these um but i decided on the, the jetpack refueled specifically because i thought it would be a good opener if i went that way and then like i said ended up bumping it but,
0: but it ended up being the opener anyway
1: really good i'm glad you brought something from this it's a different style than anything i think that i brought um and anything else that i brought too although i do have a game that evelyn fisher also lent her voice to in my next block
0: oh nice so, yeah uh, Not- you do yeah you do <laughs> Maybe her most famous voiceover role. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, super cool track here from Cameo Elements of Power. But we closed out that block with a track that I do think uh, is one of my favorites from Robin Beanland. I actually really like this track from Killer Instinct Gold. We listened to Jago's theme. It's super good, man. And this is from the Super Nintendo version of Killer Instinct, right? Killer Instinct Gold. Um, Yeah, Jago. You mentioned... You um, mentioned you, Mick uh, Gordon's Gilman's version, Saint. of course, <laughs> but this original yeah. track is still super freaking good, man. Oh, it's like I think this still. Oh yeah, it's
1: so good. And and really, um, I think that uh, Mick Gordon took a lot of cues from this track, this track specifically, more than any other Jago theme when he made the oh yeah. Jago track because you you could hear it. Like just the...
0: listen to listen to this with a metal guitar over top of it. It's kind of
1: similar and some some Gregorian throat chanting thrown in. <laughs> yeah. And you pretty much got it. You're right. This was this, was well, this fun. Such uh, a did you play a lot cool of Killer track, Instinct? Man.
0: No, actually, I didn't.
1: So I owned Killer Instinct on the SNES, I think.
0: So you did you own Gold?
1: Um, I don't think it was Gold. I think it was just the okay. original Killer Instinct.
0: Um, was
1: it Gold on the 64?
0: No. Oh, okay.
1: Huh. Well, I I owned I owned one of them. I, it might have been Gold, uh, or and I, honestly, I might have just rented it a bunch of times. Oh, and, you're and right. Gold was in 64. Okay.
0: No gold, oh, yeah, K- killer and in- yeah, gold was in sixty four. You got that right, yeah. Respect yeah, yeah. your elders, whippersnapper.
1: <laughs> uh, I was actually, you know, in. I was like, only ten, dude. I don't remember. I was in like seventh or eighth grade when this came out. I don't know, <laughs>
0: but yeah, dude. This... I just I I was thinking, and nineteen ninety six, right? That's the launch year of the N64. N64. Yeah. We got it in September of ninety-six. I don't remember this game being so early, but it came out two months after the N64. I don't remember that. That's why I thought this was a late SNES game.
1: Yeah, I didn't remember it being so early either. But yeah, I guess I guess but so I, I played quite a bit of Killer Instinct on the SNES and it was fun. I thought that the it was a good single player experience for a fighting game. Um because there was a lot of character. I think that you know the different fighters were more unique than an any other fighting game because they were all like different. You know, it species. felt different from
0: like Mortal Kombat, right? Like some it did. of the big it was, ones that it, were. It had more weight. Big to and it mainstream,
1: yeah. Um, you still had some of the button press combos, but you know, it wasn't the same as Street Fighter Two. It wasn't as technical as Street Fighter Two, right? Um, or even Mortal Kombat in a different way. You just jump in and start wailing on people, and the combo system was a lot of fun. Uh, hearing that guy go like, and I think a lot of fighters breaker. that came
0: after, <laughs> yeah. And a lot of fighting games that came after Killer Instinct, I think, mimicked this style more so than some of the Street Fighter and they Mortal did. Kombat well, style. And
1: even Street Fighter, when it came back after Killer Instinct started introduced, started combos. mimicking
0: Killer Instinct. Yeah. Correct, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The combos really became a thing after Killer Instinct. My favorite character in these games was the undead Viking zombie skeleton Spinal. He I was, think you mentioned that before. He somewhere. was super fun, man.
0: He was super yeah. fun. Yeah, <laughs> so cool, man. This this was a really fun franchise. Um, with with great music in all the games, regardless of who composed for them. Yes. And who developed them, because not every Killer Instinct was rare afterwards, right? Like, eventually somebody else started making those games uh, with more of the recent ones. But great start, and really cool, really cool fighting franchise, really great music. I love this track, dude. I'm, I could vibe to this all day.
1: It is, man. I, I love... It's, it's a great you know that 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 oriental rock you know it's just a it's yeah, a vibe yeah it's a vibe as it the kids really say is. and it i'm is. i'm really digging this album art you you found this uh, rare all-stars album
0: yeah they put out a like a 20th or 25th anniversary album or no i'm sorry it was a 35th anniversary collection album back in 2020 and it features like a ton of their tracks from you know their more famous tracks i guess from their discography of games
1: super cool yep very cool stuff but uh all right man well that that was was my uh, first block yeah, and yours was it was a little more a little more low key. the The Stilt Village still had some cartoony nature to it, but even then, it was kind of subdued, a little bit dark. And I think that that leads nicely into my next block. It's going to be a lot a lot moodier than my first one was, a little more atmospheric, although still got some good some good jams in here. Uh, let's go ahead and get things started off with my Alistair Lindsay track. We're going to listen to Spawnship from Jet Force Gemini, released October eleventh, nineteen ninety nine one day after my 17th birthday and uh, once again composed by Alistair Lindsay Up next, we're gonna take a listen to "Tomb" from *Time Splitters*, released October 26, 2000, composed by Graham Norgate. Closing out my second block, we're going to listen to Laboratory Rescue, or Stealth, from Perfect Dark Zero, released November 22, 2005, composed by David Klein. back in we are first talking about spawn ship from jet force gemini my my alistair Lindsay jam and the second oldest track on my half of the playlist okay so, yeah i had a lot of post 2000 stuff on mine for some reason, so well, well i mean considering we had to
0: win these yeah when these <laughs> folks composed yes, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the oldest tracks we featured today were both mine from 1996 uh, well, no, you have a '96 track later on to close out, but yeah, that's my, my one from Donkey one. Kong yeah. Country Three and Robin Beanland from Killing State Gold. So we have three from '96, actually. Okay,
1: well, I mean it was it was a good year for good year uh, for, for rare. rare, yeah, good year for <laughs> rare,
0: yeah, absolutely. And
1: um, Alistair Lindsay, uh, one who has not done a whole lot of stuff for rare, but who has done quite a bit of things, um, just in general, yeah. um, looking at his including Rollercoaster Tycoon, yeah, <laughs> Rollercoaster Tycoon, Tempest Two Thousand, Killzone Two, Thrillville, Off the Race. Bubsy and the Fractured Furry Tales. (laughs) All Bubsy, baby. Bubsy. (laughs) Humans 3 Evolution, Alpha Storm, Bravo Team. Of course, all 100% A-list games that everybody's played. (laughs) um, Yeah, uh, Jet Force Gemini. One that I I know has a cult following. Like the people who love this game. Yeah, I've heard good things about this one. Never did play it myself, but I've mm-hmm. heard
0: some good things about it.
1: And I think it's—I know it was on Virtual Console. I think it's on Nintendo Switch Online as well. I just haven't is checked it? it out yet. So, um, I mean, it would
0: make sense. It's a like you said, a pretty popular cult following on this N sixty four one. So, yeah.
1: but this is a cool track, man. Um, it reminds it me uh, of Star Fox, probably just because it's it in does. space. But it's got that—that that sort of forward momentum with the the, the, the snare drum
0: and everything it's it feels like a like a march of some kind it's very ominous it is in the way that it sounds it's super cool but it still keeps that this would have fit would this have fit yes i think this may have fit potentially in our n64 spooky episode
1: potentially yeah the radio hour we did definitely ominous like you said um yeah. moody. uh spooky sure. maybe creepy which you no, said rare's spooky, good at they're yes. good at dark moody music they are very much so i think that this this block definitely showcases that sure um but i don't know a lot about this game because i never played it Me neither. uh I, Me neither. Is, was this one an on the shooter or was it a, um <laughs> don't know maybe an on the shooter Might have been like a first person or behind the over the shoulder shooter, but let me look. I know it involved guns. It was (laughs)
0: 1999 Jet Force Gemini, it's a third person shooter.
1: Okay. Okay. Third person. I might have been thinking of. I mentioned to you that I think of. Uh, I think beyond good and evil, or when I think of this game, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that one was was uh, on on the rails. And the world ends with you. That's the other one I think of when I think of these games. For some reason, I think of all the the three of them at the same you time.
0: an RPG.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. It's. I don't know yeah. why I think of those three. Maybe because they were all In Square Enix.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I <laughs> couldn't tell you. And Beyond Good and Evil is Ubisoft's. So that's interesting that you kind of mix all those together.
1: Maybe it's because they were games that came out kind of around this time, and they were games that I felt like I kind of wanted to play. Do they. Right. Does, the world is with you. i got to look that up real quick and see what kind of aesthetic it has. But.
0: Um. Kind of like. Almost comic book style, but anime. But it does have
1: that sort of punk punk look to it, yeah. Which mm-hmm. good and evil, beyond good and evil
0: nothing like the world ends with you
1: <laughs> nope that one looks totally different and then yeah of course Jeff force gemini is a space totally sci-fi. different so i couldn't <laughs> tell you man that's just a weird way my brain works but, <laughs> but yeah um and lots of comments on here about how this track was like oh this soundtrack was my childhood or this this soundtrack is so great and, and it's pretty good you know robin beanland graham norgates and alistair Lindsay, all three on this soundtrack so they were putting some of their heavy hitters from the time um because this was i think after well no, Kirkhope was still there. Um, Kirkhope was still there. Why yep, is still doing stuff? But still there. Yep. Um, when did this this came out in 99. 99. So Kirkhope was probably still recovering from when he was working on Banjo Tooie, Donkey Kong Country, and Perfect
0: Dark all at the same time.
1: <laughs> well,
0: Kirkhope was absolutely working on Donkey Kong sixty four at the time. Jet Force Gemini. Okay,
1: yeah, I yeah, yeah. So that's that. That would be why because he was he was working like all the time at that point. <laughs> Yeah. He literally at one point
0: was working on all three of those games at the same time. So I'd be interested to hear a story on how Alistair Lindsay got involved with Jet Force Gemini. Again, this is the only credit he has for a rare published and developed game. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, You mentioned Roller Coaster
1: Tycoon 3. I actually had a track from there on here before we, we got together. And I yeah, you realized... t- you
0: tried to mess this whole block up, apparently. Well, because I at first
1: wasn't even thinking rare. I was thinking composers who were who did stuff for rare but i didn't realize we were bringing just rare games and yeah so when i brought
0: uh the next game on the (laughs) list (laughs) we ran into the same issue we're we're letting this one fly because of who the studio is so we're talking about
1: now uh tomb from time splitters composed by graham norgate and yeah uh not rare but talk a little about who it is by and why that
0: that is important Yeah. So back in 1999, when I think that's kind of around the time when Rare and Nintendo started to have a falling out, I think. Right. And there were some issues at Rare, which is why a few years later, Microsoft scooped it up. Right. And purchased them. But in 99, a lot of the key members of Rare, such as David Doak, Steve Ellis, Carl Hilton, and of course, Graham Norgate, left Rare and went and formed Free Radical Design. And the first thing they did when they created Free Radical was come up with a spiritual successor to GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. And Time Splitters and Time Splitters 2 were incredible, fantastic games that i wish we would see a third but unfortunately free radical is no longer around yeah they actually went out of business on december 11th of 2023 not even that long ago
1: and that sucks that really sucks especially when they were bringing you know they're starting to bring so many of these old things back you know (laughs) Um, i say starting they have been but even more like now it's the stuff from the n64 is now starting to get more you know more second looks um and yeah, I, this was the generation that I largely skipped. Um, again, I had a buddy who had a PS2. We rented a GameCube. Um, never owned. I've still, to this day, I've never owned any Xbox system. Um, so, you know, it's one of the holes in my my uh, repertoire. But uh, even though I had played GameCube, I've never played this. And it does look fun.
0: It looks good. It's so fun. The multiplayer was incredible. And that's really, like... You know, you think GoldenEye, right? What did we do back in GoldenEye? Because that game wasn't that long. We played the shit out of that because of the multiplayer on the N64 and how like revolutionary that was for the time. Mm-hmm. Time Splitters really brought a lot of that multiplayer aspect back and just made it fun again. It was it was really cool.
1: That's super cool because yeah, Perfect Dark was a lot more focused on the you know the solo stuff and. Um, But that's good that they brought it back for these. And you can definitely see the golden eye DNA in these these characters. Um, But this track is a lot of fun, dude. Super again, super creepy. I mean, it's tomb. So um, (laughs) but I also love the way it completely changes halfway through. And it gets to this like even more like upbeat like dangerous. So the first part of it is more creepy, and the second half is just more just like scary, <laughs> like intense. Yeah. And some of these uh, some of these people that I'm seeing on the screen have kind of a horror element to them, and it's not just Uncanny Valley. <laughs> it's you know there's people missing limbs oh, and
0: with fake stuff like yeah, duct tape mean, to their bodies, and <laughs> you're you're fighting zombies and undead. It's just crazy, dude. It's again. It's more of a, like, it's a first person shooter, but it's definitely sci fi. Mm-hmm.
1: Sci fi horror type. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: it's very cool. I really enjoyed this track. Uh, it was. And you jump between time. That's why it's called Time Splitters, by the okay, way. Okay. That makes sense. Like, yeah. it, it takes place throughout, I think it was like from the early 1900s up through like the early 2000s. But you jump through various points in time,
1: and this, because of the sound and the name of the track being "Tomb," sounds like it might be like a pyramid type thing.
0: Could I I think it was actually? I don't remember a ton about like the levels and the story. And I played through these games once. They first one was in 2000, the second one was in 2002. So it's been quite some time since I played through them. But I remember the gameplay being just stellar. Well,
1: we already talked about it a little bit, uh, but. Coming up on my third track of The Block, this is Laboratory Rescue, the stealth version, because this soundtrack had a, a stealth version and a, um, what was it called? Let me pull it back up real quick. Anyway, a stealth version and an action version, and they had like a descent versions of some of their tracks, but this is from Perfect Dark
0: Zero. Um, and was this 360 or was this original Xbox? So this one was the 360 sequel. The okay. original was on the N64, but this is after Microsoft bought them and they did a sequel. There is a new Perfect Dark in development as well, a reboot at some point. I
1: heard. Do you know if uh, Kirk Hope is involved in that? I don't know. Man, and if they don't get Evelyn Fisher back as Joanna Dark, that's going to be weird. But I mean, even I know, if they do I don't, don't
0: even I rare's
1: not developing it, so I don't know. Yeah, whoever is developing would have to have to be down for that, but but you know, this sounds so much like Grant's work on Perfect Dark and on Goldeneye. It's it's really really faithful. This one was composed by David Klinick, who was again um, a big support player for Rare um, during these years, and has quite a bit of stuff uh, that he that he's worked on. He worked on Perfect Dark. Um, I had him kind of lumped in with somebody else, so not a whole lot of stuff. But he worked on Perfect Dark with Grant, so it makes some sense that he would be the successor here. Uh, Perfect Dark Zero is his, and then he has worked on Banjo Kazooie Nuts
0: and Bolts as well, um, also with Grant. And I bet Grant will come back because the reboot is being developed by the Initiative, okay, which is a student. That Microsoft started basically to make a game for Perfect Dark and it's ran by the former studio head of Crystal Dynamics, Daryl Gallagher. So they're, you know, they formed this studio. They probably didn't hire an in-house composer or anything like that for the studio willing to bet they contract grant for this one that'd be a safe bet
1: well good um i can always do with more grant but but you know
0: david will be happy right
1: (laughs) yep man david though david did his uh did his level
0: best on this track and it it stands out it's it's really good very again much like your spawn ship track from jet force gemini again very ominous sounding especially when the guitar kicks in because it's just chugs right it's just the chugs.
1: And of course the Laboratory. Gotta I think maybe subliminally, subconsciously, the reason I picked this one is because laboratory was my or the facility was my favorite stage in GoldenEye. So.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay. There you go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, and none of, no, my, my first so my first track in this block was N64, and then the other two were uh, either spiritual or direct successors to N64 games, and it looks like we're coming up on a little more N64 in the next block as well.
0: Yeah, I have a Nintendo 64 track to kick us off, and then another Xbox Three. This would have been Xbox One, actually, when yep. that one came okay. out, I think. Yep. And then, of course, I think probably the most recent game we have on the list today would be Sea of Thieves. So, yeah. Yeah, but last block. Ready to get into it? I am ready, sir. All right. We will kick this one off with, man, this is probably my favorite track by Graham Norgate ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I heck? love
0: this so much. Cool. We're going to take a listen to Simeon Acres from *Blastcore*, released March 24th, 1997, composed again by Graham Norgate. Coming up next, we're going to take a listen to Team Spirit from Connect Sports Rivals. This released on April 8th, 2014, and it was composed by Robin Beanland. Closing out this block, we're going to take a listen to Haunted Fortress from Sea of Thieves, released March 20th, 2018, composed by Chloe Kwok. Coming back in, we are first talking about Simeon Akers from Blast Corps, again released March 24th, 1997, composed... By Graham Norgate. I love this so much, dude. This is so fun. It is, dude. It really is. What a... Dude, it's such a vibe. And this game is so cool. Like, I wish I was telling you, it's such such an underrated game. Um, luckily, when Rare Replay came out in 2015, a lot of critics, like, retrospectively noted how Blast Core was a standout title on Rare Replay, so I think maybe it started getting more recognition after that. But this game, back when it hit the N64 in 97, dude, it was so much fun. I didn't own it, but my neighbor, so I lived in an apartment complex back in 1997. And the family that was, like, right across the hall from my mom and I also had a son that was my age, and he got an N64 for Christmas the same year I did, right, 96. Yeah. Um, one of, he ended up in the spring, I think, for a birthday or something, somewhere around in the spring. Got Core as a gift, and I remember borrowing it. For, I, I didn't give it back for weeks, but we would play it at my house. He would come over and play it. But I hung out of that game for quite some time after I borrowed it from him, after he was done with it. And I did—I just played the shit out of this one. It was so cool. And all it is is a game where you're driving around like a, a dump truck almost, right? like Or just vehicles that can destroy things. And you're busting up trees, busting up fences, breaking up buildings, clearing a path for this nuclear missile carrier that's driving through these levels. <laughs> that's all it is.
1: That's, man, if I had played this game more, I think that I would have the same memories of it that you do. I just, it. I never really came across it for some reason. And um, then it got stuck in that sort of no man's land between Nintendo and, and Microsoft until Rare Replay, which I didn't really get to do anything with because I didn't have an Xbox. So, uh, you know, I was at the mercy of whatever I could emulate until some of the stuff started finally coming out on Nintendo Switch Online. And this isn't on there yet. Yet. right there are people saying that the next if we get another rare game, it's probably going to be Diddy Kong Racing. And then after that, if they do do, do another one, it might be this one. But we'll have to see. That'd be
0: cool if so. That'd be cool if so, because this game is definitely worth playing through. Um, You know, there are things to do in the levels outside of just clearing a path for this missile carrier. You can find like hidden vehicles because you can get out of your car in this game and like walk around. But it's very low polygon (laughs) Um, but you can like get out of your car like if you find like in level one over somewhere on the left hand side of the map there is a car that is white and it kind of has like the the US flag on a little bit Um, but it's like one of those muscle cars from the 60s or 70s and it's super pimped out Um, it's, it's like just flies around the level and you can again like run and crash into buildings and break them up but it's not the same as if you were driving around in your little dump truck or something like that But you can go find other vehicles. There's hidden things to find in the levels. A lot of replayability. There's like 60 levels in this game or something like that. Somewhere between 50 and 60. That's so cool. So cool. It reminds me a
1: little bit in premise of a game that I just got for a steep, steep discount on Nintendo um, on Switch uh, called Crash Drive 3. Um, Okay. It is, it's not really a demolition style game, although you can demo stuff, but it's one of those like free roaming um, drive around in your car and you can do like loop the loops and bust up stuff and, and okay. go up ramps and yeah. climb things. It's a lot of fun. It's it's back up to $20 now. I got it on a 90% off sale over the holidays and... It um, was like
0: $2 or something like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: my and my my three littles and I have been just playing the crap out of it. It's, you know, it's just a fun little random find that is just so fun to jump into and play around and before you know it, you've spent two hours in this game. <laughs> and, right. And it right. sounds like Blastcore was kind of the same way.
0: Yeah, super similar. Um, this music If I'm remembering correctly, it's either like the first or within the first couple levels that you play through. Um, Super cool that you're just driving around destroying things while this is playing in the background. And it's so weird and different, right? With like the little spring noises. And it's just, it's so Nintendo. It's so rare. It's so N64. It's just, it's really cool. Pretty cool, man. Very cool. Well, you know what's not N64 is... Yeah, our, <laughs> uh, our middle track there, or my middle <laughs> track. Yeah, the Kinect Sports Rivals, right? Microsoft Connect, the old camera that failed, and, well, thankfully it failed, but I guess decent idea at the time. But from Connect Sports Rivals, we listened to Team Spirit... Again, this game came out on April 8th, 2014, so it was an Xbox One title. And this was composed by Robin Beanland. And again, kind of different from a lot of the other stuff we heard today on the show. This has some of those like synthesized vocals in here that are super cool. Um, kind of EDM ish, club style music. It I is. really dig this a lot. Yeah. I oh, wasn't super familiar with this one. This I found because I listened to this Rare All-Stars album from like beginning to end when I was doing research for this one because I just wanted to hear the album. Well, and
1: it's a, it's a good find for that too.
0: <laughs> yeah. And when this started playing, I was like, oh, this is really sick. And I looked who it was by and it was Robin Veland. So it wasn't like Grant or anybody. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like him anyway. Right. Um, But I wasn't sure who had composed this. I've heard this, Grant do a lot of styles, but I've never nothing. heard him do this. Yeah, exactly. But I know like pretty much nothing about Connect Sports.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Know yeah. nothing about it. Didn't own a Connect. I never played these games. Um, but I dig this track. I think it's really cool. This will tell you how long ago
1: it was for me. I, I played Connect one time, and it was at a Sunday school party. <laughs> oh wow! So okay. it was a while back. <laughs> Definitely a while back, for sure. But,
0: but you know, it was it was alright. It was but it was I dig fun. that track. It was an interesting answer to the Wii, <laughs> right? But, and I. Don't know what the rest of the soundtracks sound like for these games, right? I'd be interested to hear more after hearing because there's more Connect Sports tracks on the Rare All Stars album. Yeah. This was just my favorite one. Um, it would be interesting to dive into that I'd sometime. be interested to hear more. Might be yeah, another idea for the Because list. It's, it's so different. Yeah, it's so different. So, kind of cool. That last track we listened to in that block came to us from Sea of Thieves. I believe this is a somewhat recent track to Sea of Thieves because it was uploaded just a couple months ago. Uh, the name of the track is Haunted Fortress. Sea of Thieves initially released on March 20th, 2018. So, like, several years ago. But this track was composed... by Chloe Kwok, K-W-O-K, and she is somebody that isn't really featured much on Rare's games because I think she's relatively new to Rare and Rare hasn't really released much outside, beside, you know, Sea of Thieves, right? Like they released or they helped Delala Studios with Battletoads, the one that came out in 2020, but like they didn't actually develop that or anything. They just kind of helped support Delala Studios. Right. But Rare's next game is Everwild, right? That's the one that they announced with Microsoft off. um I want to say back in 2020 either 2019 or 2020, somewhere in that area. They announced that they were working on Everwild, and they still are. Uh, I think it's probably just in development hell. But the composers on Everwild are Robin Beanland and Chloe Clock. So I think we're going to start seeing her more as Rare starts releasing future games. I think she's probably in-house for them now. Um, And last year, actually, she made Europe's, or Forbes Europe's 30 Under 30 list, so she's making a name for herself. Cool very cool man well this was not not a very busy track but it was definitely no, very much in the style of your last block right mm-hmm. very atmospheric subdued ominous like it would have fit really well with your last three
1: yeah definitely you know it would have fit in the not the, in the n64 creepy but rare creepy episode and have you have y'all done a pirate episode yet i'm almost positive pretty sure seems like something you would do Um, It might be fun sometime if we if we ever need the idea to do. It's not really as big a thing anymore. But back when pirates versus ninjas was a thing, like if one of us had brought pirate tracks, the other had brought ninja tracks.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Something like that. I'm almost I'm almost positive we've done something related to pirates. Um, it, it's just so hard to add to dude. We've had, we have stuff on the calendar all through 2024 and it is already a significant amount penciled in for 2025. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're going to have to do the show until we're like 60 just to, you know, just to fill all these yep. ideas in.
0: But we are the old gods of Asgard.
1: Also, also got to give a shout out to, isn't this
0: Sean's like favorite game? Uh, no, Sid Meier's Pirates. Sid Meier's is, Pirates. He is a big fan of Pirates. Okay. Sid Meier's <laughs> Pirates. Okay. He's the only guy I know that's excited for in purchasing. Uh, No, actually, I think he canceled his pre-order. But for a while there, he was excited and had a pre-order for Skull and Bones, that game that's coming out from Ubisoft.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember y'all talking about that. I think he did cancel his pre-order. Yeah, he did cancel it. Yeah. So describe to me really quick before we start talking about the start closing up the difference between Sea of Thieves and Sid Meier's Pirates. Sid Meier's
0: Pirates is like a simulation style game. Very much in the vein of like civilization. And Sea of Thieves is more of an whereas adventure. Game. Sea of Thieves is action adventure. Okay, yeah. Cool. Sailing sailing around, battling, you know, looting and plundering other ships and actually like controlling it and getting on board, going and exploring various islands. And they've added a ton of content to this game. And um, is it action adventure it's
1: supposedly really fun. Uh, is Action Adventure in the same way as like like earlier you talked about Cameo and like uh, Ocarina of Time and stuff like that or is it more like, I don't know, like Warhammer yeah. or something?
0: No, it's very much like that but with seafaring elements to it. Okay. I but guess like, Warhammer is more of a strategy game,
1: like RTS. Yeah,
0: but like it's very much like Cameo or Zelda like in terms of movement and ex- exploring when you're not on a ship and you know, kind of Driving around on the water. Sounds but fun. Gameplay wise, it's action adventure. Very cool. Very cool. Well, all right, man. This yeah, is... super atmospheric track. And a lot of the music in Sea of Thieves, I mean, it is atmospheric because of just the nature of the game. We've played quite a bit from Sea of Thieves on this show before. They've, there's some really cool shanties in there and some really cool music in the soundtrack. I remember. Um, yeah super cool super cool fun stuff
1: dude this has been a fun episode you know and when you're talking about rare what else is it going to be but still um you know i'm glad we finally have showcased a lot of these folks that are not <laughs> grant
0: kirk Hope, and david wise yeah people that do deserve recognition but i think outside of again like graham and robin we would have struggled to put a composer appreciation together for any one of these other people because there's just not that many credits even Evelyn Fisher, right? Yeah. There's just not that many credits. I don't know that we could have fielded 14. I don't know that we could have. And outside of repicking from Donkey Kong Country 3 over and over and over again.
1: And even with Alistair Lindsay, like, I don't know what the quality was like of any of those other games that I mentioned. So it might have been hard to fill something out for him, too. But I mean, Robin Beanland, for sure. He, he, he could still, I think, possibly show up on our list someday when we've exhausted yeah, quite a few more. Yeah, he could. As, but,
0: as could Graham at some point But like there's plenty to go before we get to that part. For sure for sure. But This was good man But that's not that's all we not. got We got
1: your clothes out to go <laughs> We definitely do And man it's just It's so different from anything else on the list And it's so random and fun And so very 90s This is my oldest track on the playlist uh, From you know from 1996 And of course I'll read all the info when we come out But um,
0: yeah Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run <laughs> Was I never played this game <laughs> Which I'm almost positive I, I'm almost positive I did I used to remember i used to play a lot of those like baseball games and sports games back in the day like i remember you talked uh, about that with alex on nolan ryan's baseball yeah and like base uh bases loaded there was another ken griffey jr game that was i think it was just called ken griffey jr's major league baseball that came out before winning run Mm -hmm. um it was yeah i used to love those games yeah i used to love those games and i kind of still do like on the n64 i was a big fan of all-star baseball But now I more just play MLB The Show because that's the only thing we have. But that game is so dope. Um, I think by the time
1: the SNES rolled around, I was kind of done with baseball games. I had RBI Baseball, Bases Loaded, Baseball Stars, and my favorite, uh, Base Wars on the NES. Uh, Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... I, uh, the fact that my favorite of those was Base Wars probably tells you how much I really, really like sports games, like my favorite basketball game right. was Arch Rivals on the NES. <laughs> and okay, so, yeah, so I, I never really, really got into the, the really sporty stuff. And uh, like on the SNES, I just I, I just never did. Um, a friend of mine owned NBA Jam, and so I would play it with him sometimes, but never really played anything else, never played. Owned any football games on any system? So, oh wow, um, I just I'm yeah. just not that I sporty of a guy. Games. I've I have casually liked baseball since I was a kid. Um, because my dad liked like the Rangers, and um, of course, like every other Texan, I got interested and involved when when the Rangers won this year, uh, last series, year the World of course, Series. Yeah. that was that was a lot of mm-hmm. fun. We have one of my the ladies my wife works with at the school uh, is like diehard Rangers fan, and when she's a fan of something, she gets super into it. So. So we, like, went over to their house, and uh, um, our kids played with our little daughter. And she, when whenever the Rangers would do anything right or wrong, she would jump up and just start yelling at the TV. And my kids would stop and look at her, like, because <laughs> we don't do that. And it was so much fun. It was by the end of the night, um, my 12-year-old, who has never shown any interest in sports at all, was doing the same thing. He was, like, jumping up right beside her and, like, yelling at the TV and stuff. And it was so cool to watch. It was so cool to see.
0: That's funny. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah.
1: Didn't see Diamondbacks on, on the list here. I'm, I guess maybe they weren't around back when when this game... They
0: were not. That was an expansion team, I think, in the late 90s or early 2000s, yeah. What
1: are the Indians called these days? The Guardians. Guardians, all right. Cleveland Guardians.
0: Yep. Uh, cause, yeah. I miss that Chief Wahoo logo.
1: <laughs> yep, I saw that pop up and I was like, oh, they're not around anymore, but... <laughs> No, but neither are the expos. Well, I do recognize quite a few of these names, though, and they uh, you know, had the American League and a National League and all that stuff in this game. So
0: it looks, yeah, looks all cool. The, all like the teams it looks, that existed back in '96, yeah, they were all here.
1: Looks well done, but this track is so '90s, man! I can't wait for y'all to hear it.
0: Oh, it is. <laughs> it's like the dude, like the way the vocals are included and. Just what they're saying, right? It's it's so 90s. Yeah,
1: that's it, man. We'll I don't have anything else to plug except, of course, everybody listen out for my, uh, you know, whatever my next B-side is at this point when this one posts. Um, yep. I can't remember what, what my, my, my third one is going to be. So and even if I could, I'm going to leave it a secret. I'm going to let those come out as they do. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: And uh, base, baseball games. I think you guys might be hearing more about that topic pretty soon. I think that might be the case. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But all right, man. Well, I guess that'll just about do it. If you have nothing to plug, this was fun. Little uh mini composer appreciation on just everyone that's worked at uh Rare. Yeah. So I'm glad we finally did this composer appreciation studio showcase, whatever you want to call it. Yep, mix it all in one. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll unfortunately bring us to the close of the show for this week. We do want to thank you for sticking with us to listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible of course by RPG Era. If you like video game music and more importantly you like us and you want to help us grow the show, check the description box or ways you can do just that including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Bedroth, what are we closing out with?
1: Taking us out of the show we're going to be taking a listen to Main Theme from Ken Griffey Jr.'s Winning Run, released June 10th 1996, composed by Evelyn
0: fisher keep the music playing and keep it loud
3: Peace. no stop. No, I can No, can this.